Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name is Melvin, and I I can't get his voice out of my head. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian movie podcast where we sit at the table of cinema and eat. In this episode, we'll be dining on Nacho Vigilando's Colossal. Despite featuring a star cast with Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis, and many more, this one was one of the biggest box office flops of 2017. Costing an estimated 15 million, Colossal barely made it past a quarter of its budget. Neither star power nor positive critic reception could save this film from failure, yet it garnered a sizable cult following that has grown through the years. Apart from lacking interest in big-name actors these days, as most people are interested in character over performance, another factor contributing to Colossal's failure was its absolute hodgepodge of genres culminating in a Frankenstein monster of a film. And from me, at the very least, that's a compliment. From kaiju to comedy to revenge to romance to psychological thriller, Colossal has it all, and that can be really disorienting to an audience member. I mean, the synopsis barely touches on half of the film's talking points, so for the uninitiated... Gloria is an unemployed party girl who's gone so off the rails her boyfriend has kicked her out. Moving back home, she hopes to not only recover from her alcoholism, but find decent work. Yet things seem to spiral out of control when a massive creature attacks Seoul, South Korea. The worst part... Halfway across the earth, Gloria is in control of it. Colossal is rated R for language. There's quite a few F-bombs, but that's about all you need to worry about. So here's the deal. I've found Colossal a difficult film to talk about for today's episode. There's a particular subject matter the film covers that I found both important and culturally topical, but on a rewatch I learned that even mentioning the concept, let alone what the film is saying about it, would spoil the film. In fact, while watching it, I thought to myself, oh no, the reason I picked it for this week, I can't even talk about. Thankfully, by the end of the film and a bit of discussion with those around me, I recognized a wealth of topics that could be discussed without heading into spoiler territory. That said, consider this a sales pitch that there's a delight of a curveball in Colossal that I can't even discuss. But what can I talk about? Well... This film wouldn't have been made without Anne Hathaway. Through and through, if it wasn't for her own personal interest in the project, Colossal would have never seen the light of day. She shared in an interview how she wasn't really resonating with her latest roles, quoted saying she was in an artistic no-man's land, and that she was itching for something that she could really connect with. So, as she sought more, she wrote to her representatives about the sort of film she was looking for, and the script for Colossal came back. Instantly falling in love, she reached out to Vigilando and insisted she play the part of Gloria. After joining, Vigilando said other talent and investment just funneled in. When Jason Sudeikis joined, Vigilando was overjoyed that he landed two actors known for romantic comedies and lighthearted dramas. It was like the stars were aligning to help normalize his otherwise abnormal movie. On top of that, even the trailers helped to portray Colossal as a romantic comedy with some flavor. You know, that flavor being a giant rampaging monster in South Korea. But it still couldn't be helped, and Colossal tanked during its release. And maybe there was some writing on the walls, as even the cast and crew was confused during shoots. It took a few weeks before crew members approached Hathaway saying, You know, I I think I finally get why you love this so much. Something seemed to click as they continued to immerse themselves in the project, like like a puzzle piece snapping together. 
And I think that's the best way to describe Colossal. It's a massive puzzle with all these intricate shapes and sizes that at first glance can be distracting, disorienting, and occasionally disturbing if you just stop there. But if you persevere, pushing past the initial shock and awe of such an ambitious project, you hear a snap as two pieces fit together, then three, four, and then five pieces, all connected, painting this abstract portrait discussing the complex nature of relationships, responsibilities, regret, and how so much of these character traits can be dictated by an overpowering or lack of control. And there's a bit of irony considering how the story feels quite small, but I mean, imagine the amount of responsibility required in fighting alcoholism or addiction for that matter. In some rare cases, you witness the wonders of cold turkey, but in others, it can take an entire lifestyle change to really disengage oneself from their demons. Yet, they still prowl, reminding you of how much damage you've caused, while simultaneously tempting you to indulge one more time. Constantly, we're seeing sequences in Gloria's everyday life where a bottle is casually placed in front of her. A moment of pause as we see not only the cap has already been removed, but her unfortunate willingness to take a swig to save face. Then a minute or two later, and you can practically hear the words, I can stop when I want, as she's stumbling about a parlor enjoying the festivities of, uh, you know, going clean. There's a poignant line Vigilando puts in his script, saying, if it keeps attacking the same place, it will become old news and nobody will care anymore. And honestly, it's self-referential. Gloria's sitting in a pub with her friends, and we've already gotten used to the fact that she's just not going to take this fight seriously. There aren't any drastic measures in place to keep her from the temptation anyway. And besides, something worse, and more importantly, something new, is happening in the world, and it's so much easier to focus on a giant rampaging kaiju in South Korea than smaller issues like, you know, alcoholism. But ultimately, Vigilando seems to emphasize how something small and intimate runs the risk of becoming far greater than one might suspect. Like a spark ignited amidst a forest, it blooms into a flaming beast that can't be tamed. And at risk of pointing out the obvious, the kaiju in Seoul is absolutely a metaphor of how much damage poor choices can make. Albeit, he turns it to 11. Because of this, we're treated to some of the most magically creative sequences of sheer thrill I've ever experienced, like grabbing the hair on your head and screaming, no, stop, don't do that, you don't know what you're doing. Now, Vigilando isn't claiming to propose some sort of end-all, be-all solution to fighting addiction, nor is he implying that in some sort of 90-minute presentation, he's found the quickest way to succeed with self-control. No, I actually think he's trying to emphasize the difficulty self-control proposes while contrasting how easy it is to control others. Perhaps you're shaking your head going, Mel, what are you talking about? I have a son who doesn't listen to anything I say. And you're probably right. He doesn't listen to anything you say, and therefore you have no control over him. But imagine what it would be like to forego your own self-control and assert with a hateful heart that your son do what you tell him to do or else you're going to hurt him. That's probably going to get the response you want, but only if your heart is polluted by mold and refuse. In some ways, I think that's one picture of Galando's trying to paint, figuring out how to speak into the complex issues of self-control versus controlling others into something both impactful and entertaining. And that's what you hope for in a film. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to be entertained. And I'm happy to say that Colossal delivers. Gloria is a character just so relatable, and Hathaway's charismatic performance of her really puts you at the center of that. Not only did she eagerly pursue the role, but it's evident from scene to scene how much she cares for Vigilando's vision, and that overflows into the rest of the cast. Alongside this, there are some fun sequences that show Vigilando's creativity in trying to maximize what his quirky metaphor can really do, 
he recognizes he's playing with an audience's suspension of disbelief so far beyond what we're used to. And I think there's only one point in the film where you simply have to shrug your shoulders and go, all right, I'll accept that. Perhaps the biggest detractor from the film, at least as far as I'm concerned, is that the final scene of the film just drags on and on. It practically begs to be shorter, and it can't avoid the inevitable get on with it whenever I'm finishing the film. It sounds horrible to say it this way, but if I were to rewatch this on my own one more time, I almost would feel inclined to just stop it ten minutes from the end. I could just do so much more with my time. I could start dinner. I could read a book. And I would still know what Vigilando is trying to say about his film without wasting my time. And while that sounds quite damning, don't let that fool you. And don't let the audience score on Rotten Tomato fool you either. Sure, it's a bizarre film that requires a bit of patience and some things could have been cleaned up, but there's a lot to appreciate here. And just a reminder, I haven't even covered what I initially wanted to talk about with Colossal, so take that as an incentive to watch the film and talk about it with your peers. That said, thank you so much for listening, and if you've seen Colossal, what did you think of it? Let me know by email, cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com, or check me out on Facebook, at Cinematic Doctrine. And if you'd like to see my rating for this film or other films, check me out on Letterboxd, at Paraturtle, where I'll also have a list of all the films we've covered on Cinematic Doctrine with direct links to those episodes. I also enjoy writing from time to time, so if you'd like to read some of the stories or any of my works in progress, check me out on Wattpad at Paraturtle. All this will be available in the description if you so need it. Next week, we'll be covering David Sandberg's Shazam! Until then, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.